Welcome everyone. It's uh, good to be here. Good to be worshiping the Lord. We are, after listening to this couple here, we are so blessed to be in a country that still allows us to do this openly. Because so many countries not allowed and the price is very high. So, just bless you guys. Okay, today, I'm um, going to be talking to you about some s- stories in Scripture about surrender, surrendering to God what God has given to us. We all have gifts of some sort, and it's about surrender. But before I do that, I'd like to uh, look a little bit of Jesus' last message before he ascended and he said, go and do, you know, make uh, make disciples, which this couple is, is definitely doing. Um, that story is found in the last chapter of Matthew. I'm not going to be return, not going to be turning there, but I just want to want to talk about going and doing a little bit. We're quite often we quote Jesus. Um, about the prayer he's teaching his disciples. And in the prayer that he's, he's teaching his disciples, he said, forgive our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us or, or we are had indebted to. As we think about the meaning, we should probably be asking ourselves, does this mean that God will only forgive me to the extent that I have forgiven others? It's an important question and it's a very... Serious question. The disciples could not ignore this question 2,000 years ago, and we cannot ignore it either. Jesus went on to say, if you forgive others, you know, if you forgive others, right, God will forgive you. So that's a really great promise. But he also said that if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. Even more even more serious. It is very often and painfully plain that forgiveness and being forgiven are tied to each other. Yet we who are saved by grace, sometimes we have an unforgiving heart and we wonder why our prayers are hindered. Jesus tells us to go and to do, but a lot of us don't go and we don't do. And a lot of that is probably tied to our hearts and our forgiveness of each other and getting getting and really believing that we've received forgiveness from our Lord. You know, God God's word confirms his truth over and over, uh, the connection between our willingness to forgive and our uh, uh, finding our joy and our strength in Jesus. It's a very humbling experience when you start thinking about it. You know, haven't we all been with believers that just can't quite get past their old life? You know, they know they've been saved. Uh, God has uh, got them out of the mire, you know. He saved them. But yet in this part of the brain up here, you just say, boy, how could God ever forgive me for doing such and such? And I'm sure 
You know, I, I had gone through that uh, a while before I realized that, wow, God is an awesome God, <laughs> and He's forgiven. So, but there's a number of reasons that that, that lie in our that devil puts in our brain, the reason that hangs on, and, and some of it could be tied to our willingness to forgive others. And uh, this is this is taught. Um, the hindering of our prayers are taught all through the Scripture, and much of the time it's it's linked to forgiving and uh, being unforgiven. So make a promise to yourself. I will be just say to yourself, I will be willing to let God's forgiveness not only come to me but move through me. Because I am forgiven, I will be a forgiver. So let's pray before we open the text. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your love for us, for Jesus' sacrifice. We are we are so blessed, Lord. But with the forgiveness issue, Lord, um, and the going and doing, we, we all need help in this, Father. Lord, we want to be doers of your word and not just hearers. Lord, we want to come into full fellowship with you and the Holy Spirit and with each other. So we ask the Holy Spirit right now to help us to be a forgiver. Lord, we know it takes humility to receive correction and instruction from your word. We know that you want us to totally surrender ourselves to you. So Lord, help me share the word now, your word, clearly. So each of us will realize what you will do with the gifts that we give to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So turn to the fourth chapter of Exodus, please. And if you have a Bible, and if you don't have a Bible at home, just keep that one as our gift to you. But the topic, if I assign a topic to this, is um, what you surrender to God has already been given to you by God. Before we actually read the text, let me give you a little bit of history about what's, uh, what's going on here. Most of you know the story of Moses. You know, when he was born, the edict came out to kill all the baby boys, and his mother put him in a little bushel basket and sent him down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter found him. So he was raised as the son of Pharaoh. He wasn't raised as an Israelite. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and their numbers had grown over about 400 years to probably over a million people. So they were a huge uh, part of Egypt's commodity, you know, of getting things done. So he uh, <clears throat> he saw how the Israelites were being treated. And one day he saw this guy getting beaten by uh, Egyptian. And he killed this guy. He just murdered him, buried him in the sand, whatever, and then he ran. And so he ran away from Egypt and had actually no intention of ever, ever returning. He said, I'm never going back there. And he's wanted for murder. And it had been 40 years that he's out. He, uh, he started his life. He met his wife. Um, he was a shepherd. And one uh, 
one day and he was out tending the sheep as he always did and he saw a bush burning on the side of the hill very curious that bush just stayed a bush it wasn't being burned up so he went up to check it out and as he came close to it God called to him out of that bush he said Moses take off your shoes sandals soot shoes <laughs> you're standing on holy ground now I don't know about you but a burning bush certainly would get my attention certainly got Moses attention but he still didn't know what he was uh, dealing with here so God introduced himself to Moses he said um, Moses I am the God of your fathers the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he told Moses I've heard the cry of my people and I am going to bring them out of the land I'm going to take them out of Egypt I'm going to take them to a land that is promised to them and um, Moses was very excited about this he thought wow you know all the stories that he had heard back when he was he was uh, that time that he had left Pharaoh's uh, daughter's house and kind of lived amongst the Israelites and he heard all of these promises that that their God had made to them now he's hearing God tell him of those promises and he was very no doubt very excited about this until <laughs> until the next statement of God and God told him uh, you know Moses uh, we're, I'm going to do all this but I'm going to do it through you I want you to go talk to Pharaoh tell Pharaoh to let my people go can you imagine Moses <laughs> at this point Moses, you have got to be kidding God I'm wanted for murder back there as soon as I step in that into those cities they know who I am I was Pharaoh's daughter they they'll kill me and uh, so he's he's he said besides the people aren't going to listen to me well who am I I'm that guy that killed the Egyptian and then ran so God said, no, Moses, I am going to help you. I'm going to go before you. I'll help you. And Moses said, well, what should I tell the people? What should I, who are you? And God said that I am that I am. Tell them that. That I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So let's read the text. Turn to 4, 1 through 5. Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand, Moses? He said, It's a staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. It became a serpent. Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put his hand, caught it by the tail, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. So it's, it's kind of weird that I would choose that, that five verses to start about what God has given. He has already given you. He wants you to surrender to Him. But God wasn't looking for information from Moses about this staff in His hand. Not really. Moses probably, uh, when he's asked that question, what's that in your hand? Moses would probably say, God, that's, 
a limb off of a tree that I've whittled down to make it a tool. Shepherds use this tool. They lean on it. They herd their sheep with it. They can protect themselves uh, with it somewhat. So God, God didn't really want, uh, didn't ask that question so he could get that information from Moses. What God was doing, he was preparing Moses that even though he had so little to offer, a staff, right? He had so little to offer. What he did have, God was about to reveal to Moses who he was using that staff. Throughout Scripture, there are stories of God using what people have. Just little things, you know? Not, not things that, uh, that we would think are just huge, huge uh, ministries, you know, and we kind of expect, okay, God's going to use that, that man or woman. But throughout Scripture, he, he had people surrendering to him things that made profound changes in their lives and lives of others around them. In this case, he used a stick. In other cases, he uses five small stones or a little boy's lunch to change situations. They're all very small things, but they were significant. It doesn't matter how small your gift is or how large your gift is. If you surrender it to God, he will show you what he can do with it. What you give to God, what you consecrate to him, he will do more than what you could ever ask or think. That's a familiar uh, passage, right? Whatever you give, whatever you ask or think, you, you just can't imagine what all God can do. And the consecration means it is dedicated for the worship of God. So God has made everything. Everything we have in this world, in this universe, was made by God. And, and we are very blessed in this country. We have so much and not just material stuff, but just all kinds of stuff to reach our uh, potential that we have, that God wants us to have. And all of that should be dedicated to the worship of God. So we, you surrender to Him. Give Him your stuff. It is not little anymore. It is not common anymore. It is not insignificant anymore. It's absolutely significant. Matthew 25 we had a story about a fellow going on a journey and he leaves um, money to three of his servants. Left one of them five talents, one of them three, one of them one talent. And told them, you know, he told them, take care of it. Well, two of the guys invested in whatever they were able to invest in. They doubled their master's money. But the third guy, he was afraid and he buried his talent in the sand. So he was so fearful, he wouldn't step out at all. Because he said he knew his what kind of man his master was. So he didn't even invest it to get that little bit of interest he could have got. So if fear is holding us back, and it has me, I know, it probably has you. If fear is has, has holding us back from stepping out of that comfort zone, uh, we must remember what God has promised Remember the victories that he's given us. Because since being saved by grace, we all have to remember we are not who we once were. I don't think anybody here would say, oh, I am the same. I'm the same guy that I was when uh, God brought me out of that gutter. 
For what can God do? What He can do with our gifts? Have you ever been befriended by anyone? Have you ever encouraged, uh, had an encouraging word said to you by anyone? Have you ever had an unexpected visitor visit you in the hospital? Can you be a friend? You know, can you be a friend to somebody? Can you encourage somebody? Can you visit someone? Can you offer to pray for someone? Can you bring a meal to someone in need? Jesus said, when you do this, for the least of them, you've done it to me. And that, uh, don't know how all that works in the mind of God, but it's a powerful, encouraging word for us today. That whoever, whoever that we, we help, whoever we share our gift with, God will use that. And uh, it's like you're doing it. You're doing it for me. You're doing it to me. And back to Moses' case, God did an amazing thing with the branch from a tree. That piece of stick that Moses used to herd sheep with, to lean on, to give him support while he's walking, it was a common, very common tool in that culture with shepherds. You know, every shepherd had a, a staff of some sort. It was common until he gave it to God. You know, the shepherd's staff, how does that apply to us today, the shepherd's staff? God has given us so many things. None of us are actual sheep shepherds here. Wrong part of the country, but uh, other parts of the country could be talking to guys that, you know, that's what I do for a living. You know, and I, you know, he has a staff. But God has given us so many things. Have you, and you're not sure, you may not be sure what your staff is or what your stuff is that God can, can use. Uh, ask Him. Ask Him, God, what can I give you, give back to you that you can use, that you can surrender? Because He will change our worlds when that happens. It doesn't mean that we have to move to China or to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, uh, Morocco doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean that God will use us right here, right where you are, right here on your jobs, right here in your church family, right here in your physical family. Because a lot of us have children that uh, apparently as they grow older they think they're God's grandchildren. Well, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. So... Use your gifts to, to reach your children or those workers at uh, where you work. You know, God calls us to action. If you look back at the story of Moses again, God told him to do something with that stick. You know, he said, throw it down. Do some action. Do, do something with that stick. So he threw it on the ground and it became a snake. It frightened Moses. He was probably one really backing off from it. And God said, you know, Moses, don't, don't, don't freak out there. Just grab it by the tail. And when he did, in obedience to God, it turned back into a staff. Now at this moment, that was not only a staff of Moses. 
But this moment, it became the staff of God. And that's uh, in the 20th verse. It says that. The staff of God. That's just amazing. This is when Moses became not just a shepherd of sheep, but he became shepherd of God's people. God told Moses there would be many other signs that he would be performing in uh, Egypt to get Moses, get uh, Pharaoh to let, let his people go. And uh, after all this, even after all this, if you go down to verse 10 in the chapter 4, it said, But Moses then said to the Lord, I am not eloquent. Either, you know, he's, I just can't talk. I don't know. I, you're, you're putting way too much uh, uh, <laughs> expectations on me. You know, I can imagine God is saying, Oi, boy. <laughs> it would be Oive, right? <laughs> and he, so he, uh, he said, Who made your mouth, Moses? You know, I made your mouth. But he said, I'm going to let Aaron, I am going to let Aaron uh, kind of be your mouthpiece. So his brother Aaron and him, they went into, uh, they went into uh, where Pharaoh was and they did the staff and the snake thing with Pharaoh and Pharaoh's magicians, all this black magic stuff and all this whoopy doopy stuff in this dark country. Uh, their magicians were able to turn their staffs into snakes also. So God had Moses' snake destroy, eat up the other snakes. Now, that was pretty impressive, I would think. But Pharaoh still said no. And there were many, many other plagues in that God uh, God sent. I mean, they had lice and they had frogs and the Nile in, uh, turning into blood. And finally, the Passover angel that all the all of the firstborn of anyone whose household didn't have the blood sprinkled on the, the lintel of their doorway all those all those children were killed Pharaoh finally relented I said okay just get out of here you're you're way too dangerous for us so when when they were leaving if you recall when they were leaving uh, the Egyptians gave them all sorts of Treasure. I mean, gold and I mean all kinds of stuff. And there was a million people leaving. Well, they got out of whatever town they were in, and they got up to the Red Sea, and they were camped. And they looked in the back, and uh, probably miles and miles away, they see this dust cloud coming, and they knew it was Pharaoh coming after them again. Pharaoh sent his army to uh, bring them back either to kill them or bring them back into slavery again and it's uh, very uh, probably very scary for them so immediately they went to their knees and prayed to God right no that wasn't right they immediately started complaining they said you know Moses you have just uh, what have you done to us we liked our our garlic and our leeks back in back there you know you brought us out into the desert to have us be destroyed to die in the wilderness but Moses faith rose up and I don't know how many months it was or weeks or days or whatever 
between when he first talked to Pharaoh and now. But Moses had become just a humongous man of faith. His faith rose up. He trusted God. And he said to the people, Fear not. Today you will see the salvation of the Lord. You will never see the Egyptians again. He was foretelling what was just about ready to happen to the Egyptians. The Lord will fight for you. And I wanted to say he told them to shut up. But Didi thought, probably just tell them to be quiet. So, But he told the people to be quiet and watch. Moses hadn't even prayed yet to get himself all kind of jazzed up meeting God. He had met God in that, uh, that statement that he made to the people. And God immediately said, Moses, what's in your hand? <laughs> Use it again. <laughs> so he said, take action. Stretch out your staff over the sea. And when he did, the waves parted. The Egyptians went across on dry land. And after they got across, the Egyptians thought, oh, wow, that looks like a... Let's do that. Let's do that also. And the Red Sea closed up and destroyed the Egyptian army. And the word says, and the people then believed their God... And they believed in Moses. And this all started, if you remember, way back at the burning bush when he gave his shepherd's staff to God. And God said, okay, Moses, let's go do something with it. And Jesus had done, has done the same thing. Jesus said, if you're willing, just believe in me. Give your belief to me as a gift and I will make you fishers of men. In Matthew 4, we have a record of Jesus preaching to 5,000 people. It says 5,000 men. Probably, possibly women were there with their children. After a day of preaching, uh, the disciples said, you know, uh, Jesus, send the people home so they can go eat. And so we can eat. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to send them home. You feed them. Thought, what? <laughs> and you can imagine, here are these, here are these 12 guys there's these 5,000 plus people and Jesus gave them this impossible task. And so they started looking around. They found a boy that had a lunch. He had five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, what, says to his disciples what he says to us. He said, bring the gift to me. So he brought the gift. And uh, you see what what that gift, what Jesus did with that gift, fed all those people. So never, ever, ever say that God cannot use me. Never say, I'm not trained to do this. I have nothing to offer. I absolutely not, no way to, to be used by God. God has said over and over through Scripture, if my people humble themselves, surrender to me, give me their gift, Give me your stuff. Give me whatever whatever you have to give to God. I will do incredible things through them for my glory. It's a, this is a critical part of the message. We need to say, you know, we never say God can't use us. Often in our human situations, in our crises, in our, in our uh, religious brains, you know, we think... Wow, we, all these problems I have, I could, should be able to just give it to God and He'll fix it. 
and he can fix it. He he was not not a problem with him fixing stuff, but you know, have you given have you given your stuff to God instead of just bringing it and dumping it? Have you give it to Him as a as a sacrifice to Him? Because God might be saying right back to you, I need you to make a to be a participant in what I do through you. I need you. Call your son. Call your daughter. You know, ask them to forgive you. Or tell them that you forgive them. You know, quite often that's um that's the mess in families. As our kids get older and something has happened somewhere along the line and pride has come in and you just don't forgive. You don't forgive anymore. Or you don't ask for forgiveness anymore. Or when you get home today, talk to your wife, talk to your husband. Same thing goes on. You know, we all know it. Sometimes that rift comes in there and pride just makes it harder and harder. So let's humble ourselves. Be a forgiver and accept forgiveness. You know, God says that refusal to be a forgiver hinders our prayers. You know, in James 5, talks about uh, talks about that, that we pray for the sick, and he said, but if you have, if you have sin, you have sin, you need forgiveness, and get that taken care of, and then come back. Come back and talk to me then. <laughs> you know, it takes humility to receive uh, correction out of the word. But he wants us to, to totally surrender ourselves to him so he can use us. You know, one of my favorite uh, Bible stories and, and my kids was the story of David and Goliath. You know, here, here this young, young shepherd boy totally sold out to God and he uh, he goes to where the Philistines and the army of God was getting ready, ready to do battle and he hears this giant of a man calling out the people of God you know cowards and all this stuff well just a description in the Bible about Goliath I mean this guy was like nine feet tall his uh said the spearhead on his spear was like about a hundred pounds and this big thing that he wore over his chest was hundreds of pounds I mean the guy was huge totally totally covered uh, with bronze helmet shields and uh, unbelievable you know and he was challenging the army of God to come out and meet me send your champion out to meet me and whoever wins the other will serve as slaves but no one would step forward. Well, David came back from being with his father's sheep and he heard this guy's mouth going and he said, how, how is this allowed? He's talking about the army of God. You know, he was really, really incensed. So he kept saying, I'll go out there and fight him. I thought, really? I mean, this kid was, uh, at that time, probably a teenager. Goliath, nine feet tall. He's probably, David's probably a little shorter than I am. And, and that's pretty short. <laughs> but 
So he, go, he goes out. He goes out. He stops. He picks up five rocks out of a riverbed. And he goes out to meet this, this character. And when Goliath saw him coming, he said, what, what am I, a, a dog, you know? You send out this to fight me? And he was just incensed, really, uh, really upset that this was the Israelites' champion. So he was going to make quick work of, uh, of David, especially since David told him, I'm going to kill you. Imagine that. Here's this, mm. And he said, I am going to kill you. And I'm going to cut your head off. And uh, Goliath came out, probably drew his sword or his staff, getting ready to make short work of David. David didn't run from the problem. David ran to the problem because he knew that God was with him. He knew that, the, that what he had given to God God was going to use because he'd used it so many times before. He had reversed he had rehearsed his victories and he knew that God had saved him from the lion and the bear and he would save him from this guy. So David ran toward Goliath, had one stone in a sling, hit the giant right between the eyes, killed him, cut his head off. Um, you know, you can read all that you can read all that story in first uh, Samuel seventeen. But when he stepped out and ran toward the problem, that uh, I'd look at that and I thought, wow, you know what? That is, that is the key. We need to step out. That's the problem a lot of us have. We are not sure that God is going to meet us. So it is very helpful to talk, to think about the victories that we've had in Jesus. And rehearse those occasionally. Say, "Wow, God has brought me from here to here." You know, be vocal. Be vocal about what God has done. And if you're not sure what God wants you to do, ask Him. You know, our souls get very quiet when we're in the presence of God. You know, none of our problems are unknown to God. You know, He knows. You know, many times through Scripture, uh, God says, "You know, I have. I want you to choose me." You could choose this other way, which leads to death, or you can choose me, which leads to life. So I, I love what Joshua says. You know, he said, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So this is a decision that we need to make every day, every day of our lives. Are we going to keep our stuff, our stuff, or are we going to give our stuff to God? Remember to rehearse the victories. And the most important victory we have is our victory in Christ. You know, today we had communion. We had beautiful worship songs about all that Christ has done. You know, these stories that, that are in the scripture for our, for our learning is like, you know, Moses and his shepherd's staff pointed the way out of Egypt and also pointed the way to the great, to the good shepherd, which we sang about this morning. He lead, who, our good shepherd leads us to the true promised land and enables us to be a forgiver and to be forgiven. Little boy's lunch points to the bread of life that will be truth, truly satisfying. The stones that David had point to a greater son of David, Jesus Christ. And Goliath, the lesser, you know, the son of Satan, and how that was destroyed. The victory at the cross is 
forgives us for all of our failures and enables us to be obedient to Him. Let's pray. Lord our God, we often think that we have nothing to offer, but we see that you can use our smallest gifts and do amazing things with them. Help us, O Lord, to surrender to you. We realize, God, that all that we have to give you, you have given to us anyway. You are mighty, O Lord. Help us to trust you in every circumstance. You are our creator, our redeemer, our savior. We never have any reason to fear that you won't be there for us. So I ask you to bless this day, Lord. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen.